0: Come on, that is fantastic. How many feel encouraged already here this morning? Man, oh man. Yeah, they're visiting from New Orleans, and interestingly enough, I've got some uh, stories intertwined into this message this morning about our time. Uh, Mary and I just got back from a couple weeks with the kids down on the Gulf of Mexico uh, in Florida. Uh, it's good to be home, it's good to uh, see everyone here, church picnics coming up, that's always going to be a highlight of the year. And I want to just throw a shout out here before I start. The last three weekends, I hope you agree with me, Nathan, my mom, and Jeff Anderson, did they not hit it out of the park with those messages the last three weekends? Come on, so good. First thing I did when I got home is I went online onto the podcast and I'm like, all right i got to catch up, uh, hear the three weeks I missed. And then I remembered, Nathan's isn't on there. We can't record for safety reasons, but uh, last night I said that and Gillian emailed me her notes. Gillian is a good note taker. I'll tell you that right now. Notes from Nathan's message. uh, And then I heard my mom's and Jeff's uh, as well. You know, we're going to continue on here with summer growth. How many believe that even though summer is a good time to chill and relax and enjoy life, you can keep growing through the summer? It's not a time to take a spiritual break. was never a time for a spiritual break. Uh, and we're going to continue on this theme. I'm going to speak the next two weekends here from Hebrews uh, on faith. And then Gilbert Silva is going to be with us in three weeks from Ohio. Many of you remember Gilbert and Eileen. Uh, he's going to be with us uh, a few weekends from now. And as always, he will bless you. So don't miss uh, that weekend as well. Go to Hebrews 3. You can follow this along uh, on the church app, of course. All the messages are always on there. Uh, on the church app. Hebrews 3, verse 12, and I'm going to just share a few things uh, on faith. Faith works. Turn to your neighbor and say, faith works. Faith works. I remember when uh, we were in New Orleans a number of years ago, before Katrina, so this is quite a number of years ago, and I had my first ever big crawfish boil. Anybody ever eaten crawfish? Apparently they're gross, disgusting bottom feeders, but I I enjoyed it. Have the little French beignet, donuts, white powder flying everywhere. They have amazing coffee down there. If you ever get a chance to visit, uh, go do it uh, and look those guys up as well in their church. Hebrews 3 12 to 19 says, Be careful, brothers and sisters, and make sure your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Okay, now that's a warning being given to us, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that your hearts don't get evil and turn. From God. These warnings exist for a reason, because it's a possibility. You must warn each other every day that none of you will be deceived and hardened against God. If we are faithful to the end, trusting God as firmly as when we began, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it that rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it those people who sinned and their corpses lay in the wilderness? Who was God speaking to when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? And key in on that word, rest. We're going to come back to that. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? See that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Now, this warning is in here for a reason. And this will make up the basis for what we start with here uh, this weekend. The word rebellion in verse 15 means a provocation or an irritation. How many have ever had irritations in your life? Right? We all face times of irritation. The Christian life is kind of like a roller coaster. Have you noticed that? It's up and it's down and it's sideways and it's upside down and it's all over the place. Here's a warning for you. You are going to have moments and seasons in your life where you see God push through and you break through into a new time of blessing, a new time of provision, a new time of fruitfulness, answer prayers, doors opening, things going your way, right? We all love those seasons, and we all experience them from time to time, but then you will, sometimes, shortly thereafter, find yourself in a season where you're wandering around a wilderness for 40 years looking at dead corpses. What just happened? Everything was going my way. We got delivered from Egypt. Yes, finally. Now what are we doing? Here we are out in the desert, out in the wilderness. And this warning comes to us because God knows our human heart condition and how easily deceived we are, how easily discouraged we can get, how easily disappointed we can be. And he says, don't let your hearts get hardened even in those discouraging times. The discouraging times will come. But don't get hard. Don't let it creep in and change your heart from God because you end up running the risk of missing out on so much that he has for you and for I. And this is why he puts this warning uh, in our lives because he understands how the seasons of life go. We all hate seasons of waiting. Would you not agree? We all, we all hate waiting right? Uh, In our society, in our culture, waiting is not something that we, uh, you know, we're really good at. And the first thing I want to look at here this weekend, number one, faith works in the wait. You need to learn to have waiting seasons in your life. And the waiting seasons are going to be way longer than we wish they were or than we expected them to be. Now, I believe that there are things you and I can do sometimes that prolong the wait because, hey, let's be real, God is not in a hurry. When you go through the McDonald's drive through, they're interested in throwing garbage food at you lightning quick. God is interested in throwing some quality and developing some quality into your life. He doesn't care if it takes 60 years. He's interested in us being shaped and molded into the people that He's called us to be, not just lightning speed, eh, subpar food. No, He wants us to be the best. He's got so much in store for our lives. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's time to embrace the (laughs) wait. Come on, it's time to embrace the wait. As much as we don't like it, it is necessary. It is necessary. This is why this warning exists and why I started with this here today. Learning to wait and trust in God and persevere through the long haul... Okay, and time matters. Longevity matters. We're going to get to that here in a minute. Learning to persevere uh, through the long haul is where God allows maturity and growth to develop, and that is where fruitfulness comes from. Have you ever noticed the output of acorns on a 100-year-old oak tree as opposed to a six-month-old oak tree? longevity, staying planted, staying healthy, staying rooted, keeping disease away, learning how to just stay in the same place for years and decades produces a lot of fruit when the end of our time comes. You and I, we like to believe God that I'm going to be faithful for the next 12 days and then my life is going to radically change. I'm going to be traveling around like Billy Graham because I had 12 days of faithfulness. Let 12 days lead to 12 months and to 12 years and to several decades. And watch, watch what God will do by the time we get to the end of it. Okay? Faith works in the wait. Number two, faith works through others. Faith works through others. Verse 13 gives us the remedy One of the remedies is given to us right in this opening passage. It says, guard your heart so that you don't get deceived, you don't get hard, you don't fall into sin, you don't miss out, you don't uh, be rejected from God's rest. And again, we'll get to that later to see what that's talking about. And it gives us a remedy in verse 13. Warn each other while it's still today. Warn one another while it's still today. You know, one of the most surefire ways to set yourself up for failure as a believer is to surround yourself with yes men and yes women. And to keep people away at a distance who might from time to time have to speak some hard truth into your life. I am thankful for the friends and family in my life that can pull me aside and say, hey, I've been observing this, that that attitude isn't really becoming. The way that you spoke there isn't really becoming. And then it works both ways. I'm free to speak to their lives, they're free to speak to mine. Because we're all in this together. We're warning one another for our own good. Just like I warn my children and you warn your children for their own good. I'm 41 years old, and I've lived my whole life in church. And I realized I still got many, many, many more decades left, God willing. And I believe I'll see much more uh, happen throughout the years. But at 41, the success rate—or should I say the let's just say the rate, not success—the rate of immature, offended, carnal, eh, just kind of baby bottle sucking Christians who surround themselves with yes men and yes women, is 100%. It is a surefire way to stay immature because you've got nobody around you who will speak into your life and say, it's time to grow up. Put the bottle down, get into the word, and let's start to obey what Scripture says. And that's why this verse says, "Warn one another while it's today. Just like a baby is born, and that's how you start, sucking on the bottle. But let's be real, 40, 50 years into life, if you're still sitting there sucking on a bottle, that's a little bit strange. Let's not do it. As Christians, learn to receive from others. Learn that faith works through other people. It says, warn each other so you won't get deceived. I need you, and you need me. How many want to win at life? How many want to win as a believer? That we need one another. We're in this together. Let's win together. Let's come alongside each other. Let's encourage and build up and support and strengthen and pray for. And, yes, also when necessary, throw some biblical warnings. And make sure that we're on the same side surrounding one another. You know, one of the things that's important to realize when it comes to other people is when we, we were just down, like I said, in Florida at the Gulf of Mexico, and when the water is calm, I should have brought some pictures for this. When it's calm, it's a light blue, and you can see right to the bottom. You can see all the fish swimming around you. You can see the stingrays zipping around. You can see the crabs walking around. You can see everything. But when the wind picked up and it got wavy and it started to get rough, you look into that same water and you can't see a thing. All the same fish, life is still swimming around. It's all still there. We just can't see it anymore. When you're in the middle of a stormy season in your life, you can't see things clearly in your life. That's not the time for big radical life decisions. That's not the time to start altering your life when you're in the middle of a storm. You need to learn how to stand pat and let a friend come alongside who's not in that storm and they can still see clearly and say, hey, I encourage you to do this or to not do this. There is safety in one another. There is safety in knowing that there's people who can stand outside of my storm and give me some good, clear direction. Isolation is a killer of Christians, a killer. The enemy loves to isolate us, he loves to get us proud. Where we resist input from anybody else. In your stormy seasons, in my stormy seasons, I'm thankful for people who are on the shore, on the calmer view of things, and they can just say, hey, just hold tight. The storm will pass. Can I hear it? Amen? amen. Number three, faith works through consistency. Faith works through consistency. I've heard this many times, and you may have as well over the years. Doing the little things repeatedly. Over and over, over a long period of time, equals success. That's real life success. Okay, let's be honest. The, you know, American Idol winner, like that is a small percentage of the successful people you see in in the music industry. And it's an amazing opportunity for people who can go on a show and go through a number of weeks process and become world famous. That is generally not how success comes. And even those people got to that show because they had many, 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 many years and decades of doing the same thing over and over and over and over. In real life, in the way we all live our lives, other than those odd, rare opportunities, when you just learn to repeatedly do the right thing and the consistent thing over and over, that's what leads to success. Longevity matters. I want you to get this today. Longevity matters. Time matters. There are certain things in your heart and in your life that you get frustrated with because you want it to happen sooner than later. And someday we will all understand as years and decades go by, oh, that time gap that I didn't enjoy and I didn't understand, it actually mattered. It actually saved my bacon. It actually allowed things to play out the way I had always dreamt they would. But wow, I'm glad they didn't play out the timeline I thought or I would have been crushed. I would have not been able to handle it. When I was a kid and often and on a few times in my life we've been down to Florida and we've always been on the Atlantic coast. I've never ever laid eyes on the Gulf of Mexico uh, until last year. That was our first time on, on the other side uh, of Florida. In the Gulf of Mexico if those, if you like swimming in bath water, go for a vacation in July down to the Gulf of Mexico. The water temp is 32 33 degrees every day. Like it's like a bath. Like you can't really cool off in that water. Uh, It's just hot, it's, you know, it's warm water, it's super, like I said, super clear and calm. And last year when we were there, we were there for a couple weeks and the water was like glass the entire time. And I thought, well, this is, you know, fun for a while, but I remember as a kid going to Florida and jumping the big waves. I want to get my kids in the water and teach them how to get pounded by a wave and get smashed to the bottom and how to get back up and wipe off your eyes and get ready before the next one crushes you. It's a good life skill to learn, in my opinion. (laughs) and it's tons of fun so we're there last year calm as glass the whole time i'm like what's with this like it's a big body of water I'm a weather nerd, and I remember as a kid, you know, uh, Michael and Linda from New Orleans and Lake Pontchartrain, which overflows the levees and floods out the city, and I remember as a kid, I was the only one my age reading books back then on someday if a hurricane tracks this particular way through the Gulf and floods Lake Pontchartrain, it'll it'll destroy New Orleans. And we chatted a while last night about this because he's a big weather uh, nut as well. God bless him. And I know the Gulf's a big, powerful body of water. So this year... We're getting ready to head head there again, and I actually sent a tweet to a meteorologist that I follow who lives down there in Florida. I follow a few of them. I follow meteorologists from all over the world. (laughs) I do. Uh, Today, this morning, I saw one of the ones I follow from Japan posting an amazing typhoon they had in Japan yesterday. So I send this guy a message, and I say, hey, coming down from Canada for a couple weeks uh, near Sarasota, what's the long-range forecast looking like? He writes back and says, we don't do long-range forecasts in the summer because it's the same thing every single day. <laughs> hot and sunny in the afternoon, you might get a big storm fire up away from the coast. And it is, every day, same thing. Just boiling hot, uh, nothing happens. So we get there, in the first eight, nine days, water is like glass. I'm like, when are we ever going to get to jump some waves in this thing? And then I'm looking at the weather, and I told Mary and the kids and some of the other families we've met who live, uh, live in the area where we were renting, and I said, we might actually get some waves here next week, because the wind is going to shift and blow off the gulf. And sure enough, uh, before, five, five days left in our trip, the wind shifted and started blowing in, and the waves, little waves happened. Then the second day, the waves got a bit bigger. By the third day, it was on. We were able to get out there. <laughs> And I got Joey beside me and then we would, you know, I would dive into some or go over some and he would just get pounded at the bottom by some of them. And, you know, the tide tries to take him back that way and I would just run over and help him up and say, get your eyes cleared off, here comes the next one. And he'd be all ready. And they were coming just relentless. And then by the fourth day, even bigger, we couldn't go out as deep because it was getting really swirly. And then by the fifth day, a rip current. And I was really the only one who went in on the fifth day. A rip warning was issued. Uh, so I couldn't really let the kids navigate that. And this, the gulf is churned up finally, huge waves. We were loving it, enjoying time in the water. And Mary and I are out walking uh, one day. You know, she likes to look for shells, which we found out big, wavy, rough water is horrible for finding shells. You know they're all out there. You just can't get in there and get them because you get smashed down by a big wave. And we're walking along, and stuff's starting to wash up now after a few days of this. I see like a steering wheel from a boat on the beach one day. Comes washing up, a big uh, looks like a big long, I don't know, a piece of wood that would have maybe attached a motor or something, a couple old hats. I mean, I'm walking one day, she's way behind me looking at shelves, and I'm you know, I'm just out walking because I'll walk on a beach anytime, any place. And I see uh, like a pop can roll up right in front of me. And the way it rolls up and stops, I see a picture on it. I'm like, what's this? And so I pick it up, and it's an old weathered beaten pop can, you know, the thin tin. And if it's in salt water for all that time and it's all worn and looking kind of ratty, and it's a Pepsi can, and it has a picture of Michael Jackson on it, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm looking at the picture, and I'm like, that's like a late 80s MJ right there. That's, uh, I remember when he looked like this, and uh, (laughs) picture of him like this on the front cover of, of of the Pepsi can, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, has this bad boy been floating around for 30 years in the Gulf of Mexico, and just today rolls up? And I'm starting to get excited, like, this is sweet. I remember these cans when I was a kid, and I'm looking at it, and I'm, like, trying to find a date, but you can't really read anything. You know, when was this thing printed? And, uh, you know, not, not able to get much info, and I'm, like, looking for Mary. She's way back there. And so I'm, like, this is sweet. I might actually take this thing home. A, a Michael Jackson Pepsi can from, like, 1988. Here we are 30 years later, and it just happens to finally come on shore after all, these, after all these years. And so she starts walking towards me, and I'm still trying to find dates. I'm trying to identify, like, how old would this thing actually be? And as she gets over to me, I say, hey, babe, check this out. And I hold it up to her with the MJ side facing her. And before I can even start to share my excitement, (coughs) share my enthusiasm for what an amazing, unique find. She's finding shells. Oh, I just found Michael Jackson, 1988. Pepsi can, forget your shells. This is where the actions really at. Before I can even say anything, she says, don't get too excited. Pepsi just started a new campaign two months ago, where they're putting old covers from way back in the day. <laughs> I'm like, "Are you serious?" She goes, "Yeah." That's, she goes, "That probably." She goes, "I probably washed it in here two months ago. It's probably a two-month-old can." She goes, "They've been putting the old." I don't ever drink Pepsi. They've been putting the old iconic images from way back when. Everything deflated. I threw that thing back down. (laughs) Two-month-old Pepsi can? Well, that's useless. Who needs that? Now, what happened in that moment? What I was holding, the object did not change one bit. The can was still the same. The picture was still the same. MJ was still there like this. Everything else about it was still the same, except what? All of a sudden, the longevity was gone, and in my mind, the value was gone. There is something to be said about learning to live faithfully and consistently over long periods of time the way you're living today and you might think man I've been doing this for a while now When am I going to see the real big fruitfulness show up keep going for 30 more years and let's talk because I assure you you will see the faithfulness and the fruitfulness of God show up in your life longevity matters The only reason this thing lost all of its value in my mind is because it was now a two-month-old can, not 30-year-old can. The real original deal from way back when. Your faith and the journey God has you on, you will look back, all of us will look back 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now and say, I'm glad I stuck it out. I'm glad I stayed consistent. I'm glad I kept doing the right things, even when the seasons were awful and when the seasons were good. I'm glad I kept persevering and trusting in God because, boy, oh, boy, the time, the longevity, the decades, they have all added up now, and there is a fruitfulness legacy. There is an eternal legacy. My family has never been the same. My future's never going to be the same. Things matter when you do it for a long period of time. So keep living consistency, consistently for Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Hebrews 11.8 tells us very simply, Abraham had faith, so he obeyed God. I like that verse. Short and sweet. He had faith, therefore he obeyed God. Let's learn to be Christians who obey God. Obedience and faith, if we really understood this, we would get the link between obedience and faith. It's one thing to say I have faith in God, but what I actually do shows where my trust and where my faith is. It's one thing to say I trust him with my finances, but what do I do that actually proves it? Long-term consistency over time will lead to success, and you're not just a washed-up old Pepsi can. You've got the power and the presence of God in your life. You're going to get the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit showing up in your life. Amen? Amen? Let me ask you here today, what is God calling you to do as a consistent, obedient lifestyle? What is it in your life that he's been putting his finger on and saying, I'd like to see you just get consistent in that? For some of you, it might be praise and worship, getting free, learning how to sing, learning how to rejoice, learning how to dance, learning how to worship God from the bottom of your heart freely. I know if you're new here and you think, but that whole worship thing you guys do is nuts. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, don't worry about it. If you're new, just... Keep going on your journey in the months and years ahead. Uh, God will do his thing and, and all that. But some of you have been here many years and your feet still get stapled to the floor when it's worship time. We could show up at playoff hockey games, and I would see people with free, crazy responses. We could show up to the biggest touring concerts through town, and there would be free, wild, crazy uh, responses to that. Some of you uh, play Fortnite with your kids and try all those idiotic dances like I was doing in Florida, and Mary posted the videos of me acting like a fool online. You will dance and get free in moments where you're willing to. I think our heavenly father who died on a cross and loves us more than anybody else, he deserves us to be free when we worship him. He deserves us to let loose when it's time to worship him. If you can go to a wedding and tear it up at a wedding, you can come to church and you can tear it up at church. I love the fact that you go to weddings and you're celebrating that bride and groom. Well, how about we celebrate the ultimate bride and groom? How about we celebrate the ultimate king of kings? Maybe some of you, God's saying, I want you to learn to get consistent and faithful with your giving, tithes, and offerings. And again, faithfulness is a trust issue. With money I totally get, it's a trust issue. God, can I trust you with this? My, my margins are very thin. My margins are never so thin where I want to kick God out of the equation. Boy, oh boy, the thinner the margins, God, the more I need you. And the more faithful I'm going to be, the more obedient I'm going to be in you. How about learning to love people around you? Yes, even the unlovable ones. How many know somebody who's unlovable? All right, you don't have to put your hand up. You don't have to, (laughs) pointing at somebody sitting near you. Learn how to love people as a lifestyle. God wants us to learn to love one another, love people around us. How about learning how to be reliable and faithful uh, with your A-team? You know, I understand that at times it's inconvenient to serve the house of God. But don't ever forget, the Bible makes this clear. Everything we do, we're doing it unto the Lord. This time of year, I get it's a bit easier than it is in midwinter when you got to get up early and scrape off your car and wait for the windows to clear and trudge through the snow and get all bundled up. It can be inconvenient. But, boy, oh, boy, is it ever really inconvenient when we get to serve him? Is it ever something that we should just kind of push aside? Yeah, we got to dig a bit deeper and be a bit, leave a bit earlier. But, boy, I get to do this to serve him. I get to do this to honor him. Maybe God is asking you uh, to learn how to uh, read the word and memorize the word more than you ever have before. Maybe you've been on a journey and you've kind of just plateaued with your involvement in the Bible and in prayer. And God's saying, now's the time to step forward. Take a step to the next level. We've got Bible reading plans on our church app. You can go on there, you can pick one. And I encourage you to pick one and to stick with it. Do it, get into the word. Be immersed in the Word. Start memorizing the Word. Learn to obey the Word. The Word of God will literally set you up for success in every area of life. Everything you deal with is found in the Word of God. For some of you, maybe God is asking you to forgive and let go of the things that you've been carrying around. Maybe he's saying, look, you're going to carry around that baggage the rest of your life if you choose to. I would prefer you get set free and watch what happens in your life. Watch what happens when you forgive and you turn and you just get free before me again. You know, unforgiveness only hurts one person. The person walking around carrying the baggage filled with uh, unforgiveness. Maybe God is telling you this morning, it's time for you to be set free. It's time for you to put your eyes back on me. Yeah, we're going to get hurt in life. It all happens. If any of you in here have never been hurt, you're going to preach the next few weekends and teach us your secrets because you will get hurt. You're a human being living on planet earth. But let's learn to obey the scripture and put our trust in God. You know, when we've driven down to Florida a handful of times now and it's two days to get there and two days to get back. And our kids are actually amazing uh, road trippers. Uh, They're fantastic. They're uh, really good at it. Angelica's by far the best one. Uh, And I think it's in part because when she was two years old, we took a 10, 11-hour trip from here to the very far end of Cape Cod. And I'm not sure why, but we only stopped once in 11 hours. And she was two years old and I guess didn't know any better. And it's literally set her up as the world's most amazing road tripper. She will sit back there for hours and just be quiet doing whatever, you know. Frankie's good now, but Joey is the younger one, and he can have his moments where he's like, okay, yeah. Are we there yet? I think we were at Erie, Pennsylvania, and he was asking how much longer. Like, hang tight, buddy, two more days. Two more days. So we're driving home. And, you know, the, the, the Appalachians is nice when you go through West Virginia. The bottom half of the trip is abysmal. From Charlotte all the way into Florida, it's just flat and gross. There's nothing to look at. The landscape gets horrible. The only redeeming factor is more and more palm trees are popping out of the ground the further south that you go. The northern half of the trip is beautiful. Appalachians, you know, going through the mountains under these giant tunnels the kids love. Uh, The Western Hemisphere's longest arch bridge goes over a giant ravine in West Virginia. And so we're looking at things and looking out the window. We stopped at a scenic lookout to take some pics and stretch our legs. And Joey is asking questions about this and pointing out that over there and asking us different things about the trip. And it's kind of one of those stretches of the ride where everybody's pretty quiet. And he would ask the odd question every, I don't know, five minutes. (laughs) You know. (coughs) total wrong way and coughed when it was on. So we're driving along, and he says, you know, whatever, asks us about this thing and that thing. And then a long period of quiet happens, and then he says, hey, Mom, and she says, yeah. He goes, is it okay to eat moist towelettes Now, if you're a parent, and I mean, even if you're not, but if you're a parent, you know that you don't just toss back a quick answer, no, it's not okay, and just keep on going. I'm thinking, why is he asking this? Is his stomach starting to get upset? Like, what did he do that we're not aware of? And so we look at each other and kind of, like, smirk a bit, like, what a random question. Like, no, no, it's not, bud. Why? Why are you asking? did you eat one? He goes, no, no, I didn't eat one. He goes, I was thinking about it. We're like, why? Why were you? Why are you thinking about, like, it's so random. We're in the middle of the mountains. Why are you thinking about eating a moist towelette? He said, well, I saw it on a TV show I was watching, like a kid's show. The person on the show ate it. And then I guess we made our last lunch break. They must have had some there. We didn't know this, but he pulled one out and smelled it. He said, they smell kind of lemony. So I was thinking, I wonder if they taste lemony. <laughs> he was going through this multi-hour <laughs> process. We think we're you know, just kind of mindlessly driving home, and he is percolating the whole time. Should I eat a moist towelette the next <laughs> chance I get? <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't. And so we said, no, do not ever eat a moist towelette. They are not lemon, not lemon at all. So when you're on this trip, going through the Appalachians, I mean, the road is super windy, obviously, right? Like any mountain area. And I noticed something watching the GPS. The GPS always keeps my car facing straight ahead. It adjusts the map as it needs to to keep the car facing forward. Now, for I'm sure for all of you, 99% of people probably love that. Me, being a weather geek and having an incredibly keen sense of north, south, east, and west, wherever I am in the world, I want to know where true north and true south are. It was driving me batty, knowing the car is facing southeast or west, all over the place. Just keep the the road straight and show me what way is north, but it doesn't. It, it, it It helps keep everybody knowing they're going the right way. But this is like our Christian life, windy, all over the place, up and down. But if you will just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, he's going to make sure your car is always pointed in the right direction going forward. He doesn't, he doesn't come alongside you and I and get us all freaked out about the big curves this way or the big curves that way. He knows they're coming, and he navigates them with us, and he keeps us looking straight ahead. When you get your eyes off him, you start to get all worried because I was supposed to be going that way, but it seems like I'm going here for a while. No, 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 just chill. chill. You're going to keep going that way. This is actually the quickest way forward. Sometimes we think we know better and we can just plow in a straight line through the mountains. And God says, just sit there and chill. I've got a safer route mapped out through the mountains for you. Keep your eyes fixed on him and he will help you to realize you're always going forward when you keep your eyes on God. Eugene Peterson tweeted recently, a changed world begins with us and a changed us begins when we pray. In other words, a changed us can change the world but a changed us doesn't happen unless we pray and have a relationship with Jesus. He changes us from the inside. And that's where change then spills over in the outside as we're, as we're transformed and changed uh, by the presence of God. You know, the last three weekends, I mentioned the amazing messages that were spoken. And if you were away at all as well on vacation, get online. And two of the three are on there. Uh, listen to them. You will be blessed, I assure you. But this ties in perfectly. And really, this whole summer growth plan That we're working on here. This whole summer growth series ties in perfectly. Right? Remember what Nathan spoke about. How to live a life in the presence of God. We need to be in the presence of God. We're going nowhere without God's presence. We're going nowhere without the touch of his spirit. And I get then there's a bunch of other variables that come. Obedience and blah, blah, blah. But I've always found, again, over the years, people who prioritize the presence of God, funny enough, just end up learning how to obey. Because you can't continually get back in God's presence and keep resisting. Something's going to give eventually. You're going to stop getting back there or you're going to start obeying. Nobody will just keep dragging themselves back into God's presence only to disobey whatever it is he says. And then my mom spoke about us learning how to have our own journeys. As much as I love what Nathan and Kristen are doing and how God is using their lives and the fact that we are a part of it in some small way, I can't ride on their coattails and act like that's my victory. God wants to give you and me our own victories. He wants you to go through your own steps of faith. He wants you to go through your own battles. He wants you and I to learn to get to the edge of the water and take a step in faith ourselves out on the water, just like Nathan and Kristen have taken steps of faith and many, many other people around us. I love hearing the story, what Michael just briefly shared, you know, when we were chatting with them last night, and, and this is really what's, this is their heart condition. They were devastated by Katrina. They don't talk about it a lot, he said. But they lost 170,000 square foot facility. For comparison's sake, this is about 22, 23,000. Cumberland is about 25,000. They lost 160, 170,000 square foot facility that they just they ended up you know they ended up selling it eventually, but never went back to it. It got too destroyed. Uh, the church just took a massive hit, M- huge population left. A lot of people never actually got to go back to their homes, like he said, including them. And he said, here we are having endured all this and taking it on the chin for all these years, but still loving Jesus more than ever. Still serving Jesus more than ever. My love for him is not dependent on my circumstances. Because that ain't real love. That's very conditional. Love for Jesus is, God, I love you and I'm going to serve you. Even if I end up losing properties and getting wiped out because of a huge storm, that does not change what I think of you. And then we heard last week from Jeff how God will use people like you and I. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't only choose the super, super smart, the super, super educated, the super well-spoken? Aren't you glad that he chooses us? Aren't you glad that he chooses fishermen? Aren't you glad that he shows up and he finds those fishermen and he says, guys, put your nets down and come follow me? All he's looking for is somebody who will say yes. Come follow me? Okay, I will. If you can do that, you can be a disciple of Jesus. You can be used by Jesus. Your life can count for Jesus. And this is how this works as well. God uses regular people like you and I. The final thing here, the fourth thing is faith works. You you might not like this, but bear with me. We're going to wrap it up with this. Faith works. Rest comes later. Roll up your sleeves, people. We're only on earth, the Bible says, what's equivalent to a vapor coming off of a tea kettle. That's how long our lives are in, in the grand scheme of things compared to eternity. Faith works now. Rest comes later. I believe in rest as a lifestyle, you know, being healthy with your life. I don't believe in just running 24-7, 365, with ever, ever a, break, whatever a break, and you burn yourself into the ground and become useless for decades. No, the Sabbath is there for a reason. Summer vacation or whatever time of year you take a vacation is good to do. It's good to get away. It's good to disconnect and to recharge and just to, uh, to rest up. You know, one of the things I love, I love getting away with our family and just connecting with them. But, boy, I love disconnecting from this. Yes. Yeah. Anybody else with me? You love the t- social media breaks? Yeah. You know, one thing I realized after a few weeks offline, I have never once sat at home and thought, you know what this last three weeks has really been missing? Facebook drama. I've got to get back online and see what people are squawking about and complaining about and arguing about. Never, not once, have I ever missed the online drama. Now, I love connecting with people online. I love seeing your photos and seeing what's going on. And, uh, you know, I find Instagram the best for actual constructive, encouraging uh, interactions, not just screaming at each other. But nevertheless, I always realize a couple things. When I'm on a social media break and then I come off of it, the first thing I realize is there's way too much clutter and junk on there that I don't need in my life. Literally adds zero value. I came back from vacation and I just started, I started purging, just unfollowing like a madman. I realized there is zero value in a whole bunch of stuff that, that is on here. The other thing I realized is I waste way too much time on this stuff. Use it for what it's good for, but don't let it consume you. Especially the young people in the room, do not let it consume you. It is a complete false sense of reality in many respects, yet I get it's fun and it's good to connect, and the pics and the memes and everything else are a riot. I understand that, and I already see this one staring me down. She's going to send me a meme later because she always does. (laughs) But learn how to prioritize what matters in your life. You know what matters more than online followers and friends? is real-life friends. That's what matters a whole lot more. Faith works, rest comes later. Look at Genesis 2. I'm just going to kind of skip along here. Genesis 2, 7 to 9 and 15. <clears throat> it says, The Lord formed man from the dust. Breathed the nostrils for his breath of life, and man became a being. Okay, for time's sake, I'm going to skim through this, actually. He planted a garden, and he pla- there he placed the man he formed. Uh, tree, of garden, uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil, blah, blah, blah. Verse 50, it says, then the Lord took... That's totally irrelevant for today's message, so... <laughs> Verse 50, and the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Why? To cultivate it and to keep it. The word cultivate means work and service. You might find some theories floating around online that work came as a result of the fall and as a result of sin. No, Genesis 2, the very beginning, work is put in here. We were created and placed somewhere to work, to cultivate, to keep. God placed you in a particular garden. He placed you in a particular family. He placed you in a particular church. And his mission is that we roll up our sleeves and we work. His mandate for our lives is that we work for his plan and his purpose. Are you noticing a key word here? He He created us. He created the garden. He plants you in your family. He plants you in this church. He says work. He's the boss. We do what he says. We can't say, I want to take the parts of the Bible that I love and just ignore the parts I don't love. I don't really want to be a hard worker, God. Well, sorry, that's why you were created and the creator says so. We were created to work for his service. Now, Hebrews 4, we'll finish off basically where we started in Hebrews. (laughs) And again, I'll skim through here for time's sake. Hebrews 4, 1 to 11 says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we should fear or tremble with fear that some of you won't experience it. Okay, and we're getting back to a warning. We started with a warning and we're ending with a warning. If we allow our hearts to be hardened and we get off track, we run the risk of missing out on God's rest. Uh, Verse 3, only those who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, I took an oath in my anger. They will never enter the place of my rest, even though this rest has already been ready for them since he made the world. Uh, Skip ahead here. Verse 7. God set a time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced through David much later, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Remember we read this earlier. Don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion, when the people rebelled against God because they were discouraged and disappointed verse 8 if Joshua succeeded in giving them this rest God would not have spoken about another day of rest in other words entering into the promised land is not the rest being spoken about here if so then this verse wouldn't exist there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God how many people of God do I got here this morning All who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let's do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The rest being spoken about here in Hebrews is not an earthly temporal rest. It's not talking about a Sabbath once a week. It's not talking about the children of Israel coming into the promised land. This is talking about an eternal rest. This is talking about a rest prepared for you and I. Our lives are like a vapor, and then we have this opportunity to enter into a glorious, never-ending rest with Jesus. There will be no work. There will be no sickness. There will be no pain. There will be no tears. There will be no anguish. There will be no disappointment. There will be no ending date. You will enter into your rest, and you will stay in that rest for the rest of time. We can't comprehend time. We think 80, 90 years. If somebody hits 100, we think, wow, 100 years they live. That's incredible. They've been around forever. No, it's just been a vapor off a tea kettle. Forever is just about to start. If we live our current lives here on earth, pursuing the easiest way forward, pursuing the most restful existence, pursuing the way with the least amount of strain on our lives, pursuing the way with the least amount of pressure or inconvenience in our schedule, we run the risk of missing out on the rest that really matters. We run the risk of turning our hearts from God and him saying, oh, it was there for you. I promised it to you. But you started pursuing this temporal earthly rest that is completely useless and irrelevant compared to the one I had ready for you. Now is the time to roll up your sleeves and work. Now's your time to get busy. Now's the time to be inconvenienced for Jesus. Now's the time to be stretched for Jesus. Now's the time to have your capacity expanded for Jesus. Now's the time where we store up treasure in heaven. And the day will come, you will make it, you might live the busiest, craziest, most inconvenienced life on earth. You will stand before your heavenly father one day and he will say, you did an amazing job during that quick, 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 quick vapor what you were alive for. Come and check out the rest I've got for you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, you can enter your rest. And you will rest for eternity. Nobody, nobody in eternity sits around there, sits around the throne. Maybe they're playing checkers with gold checker pieces. Nobody sits around and says, you know, way back in 1994, I wish I would have just taken it a bit more easy. I wish I would have not been quite so busy in my church. Quite so busy for God. No, nobody says that. They're enjoying their rest for the rest of time. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Say nothing. Nothing you ever do for him is useless. Nothing. Putting salt down in the winter so people don't kill themselves, opening the door for someone, picking up some garbage off the floor, coming early and practicing and being part of the worship team, being involved in kids, giving of your time, helping us launch campuses, giving tithes and building fun pledges. Nothing we do is useless. It says, keep working enthusiastically for the Lord because your labor is never, ever, ever, ever in vain when it's for Him. Ever in vain. And you might feel at times, I know I sure have, where I say, God, you have pushed me to my limit, man. Can we just, can this be where the stretching ends for a few months? He gets you right to the limit. And then it seems like a year or so later, he stretches you some more, stretches you some more. But keep going, knowing that it's never in vain. It's never in vain. You will enter that eternal rest someday and be glad you gave it your all right now. We're in a season as a church where we are given it our all to expand and to reach and touch and bless more people in our community. I love the fact that there's a launch team, and the launch team is prepped and ready, but those of you who are remaining at this campus, you're prepped and ready to take on new loads and take on extra loads. I love the fact that we're seeing God move as he's moving, as we have rolled up our sleeves and said, this is a lot of work, but it's good work. It's well worth it work. Nothing great ever happens in life without hard work. Contrary to to what you might read on social media. There's no such thing as just somebody rolling into success by sitting around at home watching TV. This is the time to work enthusiastically for the Lord, because that labor is never, ever in vain. How many received this this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, "Faith faith works. Come on, faith works. Let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. God has amazing plans in store for us this summer. Amen, church? Come on, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you and we love you. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence. We're so grateful for your spirit at work in our lives. Lord, we're so honored that we can look into your word and we can be reminded that faith has such a vital role in our lives. Lord, and I pray that all of us here today, Lord, I know you're putting your finger on different things with different ones of us. Some of us need to learn to embrace the weight Learn to stay uh, in your presence. Some of us need to learn to be consistent over the long haul and have long-term view of life. Lord, whatever it is that you're putting your finger on in our lives, I pray that we would respond to you, we would respond to your voice, and we would allow your word to change us as we obey it. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's not yet begun this amazing journey with you. They don't yet know you personally. Lord, I pray that you would show how much you love them right now. Show them how much you care about them right now. Lord, you care deeply about every one of us. You've got a destiny and a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Lord, and I pray that we would all experience it. Let's keep your eyes closed for a minute here. I want to give you an opportunity today. We do this every weekend. If, if you're here and you don't have your own personal relationship with Jesus, You've not yet prayed and invited him into your life. You've not yet started your own journey with him. And that's what it is, by the way. It's a relationship, not a religion or a list of guidelines or something. It's a personal relationship. I want to give you an opportunity to pray a quick prayer with me where we can invite Jesus to come join you and join your life, and you can leave here different than the way you arrived. I got to pray last night with two uh, two young people. Who, uh, made this decision and prayed and were excited to start their journey with Jesus. If you're here today and you would like to pray with me, can I see your hand wherever you are around the room right now? I want to see your hand good and high so I don't miss you. I want to get a chance to pray with you if you would like to start your journey with Jesus. Go ahead. Over here. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Don't be shy. Don't be uh, you know nervous. Or even if you do feel nervous, hey, that's cool. I get it, but boy, don't miss out. This is the best decision in your life. We're going to pray together in a minute here. Quick prayer we're going to do together. Anybody else like to pray with me today? Like I said, we do this every weekend. There's been over 70 people this year in the last uh, six and a half months, seven months who prayed to start their journey with Jesus. This can be your time. Anybody else here today? You will not regret starting your own journey with Jesus, giving Jesus an opportunity in your life. Anybody else here? Go ahead and slide your hand up before I, before I pray. We're going to do this together here in a minute. Alright, I'd like to do this here. Uh, The young man right here, uh, put your hand up. If you could just come see me, bring your friends or family, whoever you got with you. Come on up, church. Let's welcome him on up here this morning. I'm Jay. I'm Raymond. Raymond, great to meet you. How are you? You guys friends? Very cool. Awesome. Look, appreciate you being bold and brave. We're all cheering for you because we know what this is like, (laughs) a life-changing moment. Uh, Like I said, I get to pray with people all the time uh, this way, and it's just Never gets old. It's from this moment on your life is different. The Bible tells us whatever the past has been like up until now, forget about that. It's a new start. New beginning. So I'd like to do this. I'd like, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd love you just to repeat it along. Uh, it's just going to be a prayer inviting Jesus to join your life personally. Now church, why don't we all do this together? Let's all pray this prayer uh, as one in unity here uh, together this morning. All right. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I invite you into my life today. I want to know you. I put my trust in you today. I put my hope in you today. Jesus, please forgive me for anything wrong I've ever done. Thank you for this brand new start. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. I receive you in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, brother. Great stuff, man. So awesome. So good. Hang on one sec. I'm going to do one more thing here with you before you uh, jet. Uh, Mark here, a buddy of mine here. He works with us and uh, helps. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Say hi to Mark. He's going to help you out here for a sec. He wants to take you into the other room. He's got a few things to give you just to take home and read. We don't like to pray this prayer and then say, figure it out on your own, right? We want to get some stuff into your hands. He's going to spend four or five minutes with you. You can, of course, go as well. Uh, Then maybe we'll see you down in the cafe after. All right, man? Bless you. Come on, church. Let's let him hear this morning. God is moving. God is moving. How many would say here today that there has been something, one thing, out of the various passages and things we've looked at that you know you can take home and apply? I want to encourage you to do exactly that. We don't come and dive into the word just to hear it for a half hour and leave. Obedience, applying it, this is where growth happens. This can be a summer of amazing growth in your life as you take the word and apply it. Why don't you stand up with me this morning, church? I'd love you to lift your hands up to the Lord one last time and say, God, as I pursue you, help me to obey you like never before. Help me to trust you like never before. Lord, I want my faith to work. I want my faith to have action behind it. Lord, I put my trust and my faith and my confidence in you this morning. (laughs) You are the one that I'm trusting. You are the one I'm living for. Come on, God sees your heart right now, and his spirit is here to refresh you. His spirit is here to empower you. His presence is here to help you walk out of here ready to hit the mark, ready to hit it 100% in the weeks and days ahead. Lord God, I pray for every person in this room that we would once again take the long view of life. We would remember that there is an eternal rest waiting for us someday, but now is the time to get busy for you now is the time to work hard and faithfully for you. I thank you for a church filled with people who are just itching to be faithful, just itching to work hard for you, just dying to uh, lay everything down to honor and trust you with our lives, our energy, our finances. Lord, I pray your blessing upon every person here. Empower every single one. Empower us to obey like never before to keep our eyes fixed on you. And even though the road is windy and curvy, our vehicle is pointing straight ahead. Our eyes are pointing straight ahead. We know we're going to hit the mark because we're trusting and following you. We love you this morning, Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, God is good. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Thank you, Jesus. I will go home and look forward to Abby's meme in my inbox, and for the rest of you, why don't you look for someone you don't know this morning, say hi, introduce yourself, the cafe is open, have an awesome, awesome day, church, we love you.